Welcome to Tea Time with Fifi, and I'm your host, Felix III, but you can call me Fifi if you freaky. We are back, and we have more music, more stories, and more tea for you. For those tuning in for the first time today, I'm a musician, teetotaler, and lover of all things shiny and supernatural, and we are broadcasting live from my new studio in Bushwick, home of Nene's Taqueria serving a Zibiria just how you like it. And if you don't know Nene's, you better wake up and smell the tacos, son. I know a lot of restaurants are jumping on the Zibiria trend, but when I tell you this one will make you want to punch the kacha it's so good, I really mean it. Tacos and Mexican food in general have a special place in my heart, being Mexican-American and all. The first time I was in Mexico City, I was there to escape a very toxic and abusive relationship. The kind of relationship where you lose your identity and your friends have all gone and you're sitting in the shitty room in an apartment on DeVoe Street without a pot to piss in and you know it's time to go home to where your ancestors came from because only they could pull you out of the darkness. And you find a cheap ticket to Mexico City and you arrive at nighttime and you start wandering the street because you're starving and at the end of a dark street there's a shining light and a little lady that looked like my Aunt Rosa making blue corn quesadillas, which I had never had at that point. And I bite into quesadilla and I start to tear up because I hadn't had homemade anything in such a long time. She just stared at me weeping and eating her food and afterwards, I went back to the hostel room that I shared with 10 other guys and about 200 mosquitoes and fucking picked myself up, one quesadilla, one taco and one day at a time. Funny how a lonely day can make a person say what good is my life? Funny how a breaking heart can make me start to say what good is mine?
Happy Pride Queers. I'm so happy. I really am. With where I am, with who I am. And I can say this confidently after many, many years of not really believing in myself. But we all have people in our past who stick to our brains like a stiletto through a Benjamin. There was a famous trans woman by the name of Carol near Orlando, Florida. I knew of her when I was a teenager. Everyone did. I want to preface that I'm not trying to tell Carol's story because truthfully, I didn't know her. I'm telling you how watching her exist made me see the world differently. Carol used to go to the mall in her full looks. And let me tell you, going to the mall as a trans woman when I was a teenager in Orlando, Florida, was not safe. I'm sure it still isn't. Well, she used to carry a brick in her pink juicy couture purse because she got sick of being harassed. And one day, the wrong white boy fucked with her chasing her through the mall, calling her all sorts of slurs. And she pulled that brick out and gave him a free nose job. Needless to say, she became a hero to my little crew of queers. We'd see her out and about from time to time with that pink purse, and I never forgot that she is one of the many stories of LGBTQ people committed to living their authentic self. And Carol, if you're out there, you helped me without even knowing it. And this one's for you. Tengo el ansia de la juventud. Tengo miedo, lo mismo que tú. Y cada amanecer me derrumbo al ver la puta realidad. No hay en el mundo, no, nadie más frágil que yo. Acrílico cuero y tacón, maquillaje está en el corazón, y a la noche se revuelve flores, se rubrica la ciudad. No hay en el mundo, no nadie más dura que yo. Sobrevivir mintiéndome Taciturname un día en aquel bar Donde un ángel me dijo al entrar Ven y elévate como el humo Tú no sufras más amor Y
book reviews, and I absolutely never do reviews of book reviews, but I'll make an exception since it's Pride Month and all, because this book checks off two major themes that I love, being gay and being a ghost. This review is from May App from Bookstore.com, which I'd never heard of before typing in gay ghost. I'm going to read May's review verbatim because it's so worth it. Now that I'm a ghost, I'm gay, opens our main character, Alex, who has just died in an incredibly tragic bike accident. He looks down at his own corpse and realizes he has one regret. He never came out to his hot and sexy roommate, Jason. And whoosh! First ghost power revealed. At the thought of Jason, Alex finds himself transported to the men's room of his dormitory where Jason is exiting the shower. And at the sight of his naked body, Alex gets a crazy huge ghost boner. But when he tries to reach out to Jason, he can't. His hand travels right through him. The reality of this situation dawns on Alex. He'll never be able to touch Jason or anyone again. The world that he's lived in, everything that's ever mattered to him, he can see, but he can no longer interact with. Alex tries to scream, and he can't. He exists only within his mind. 
Then Jason's towel slips, and Alex gets distracted by his pubes. And that's sort of how it goes. Alex begins to spiral through an existential crisis, grieving the loss of his own life until Jason does something a little hot, and Alex gets insanely horny. Now that I'm a ghost, I'm gay is 11 pages long, and this is what the first six pages are like. So let's skip to the ghost sex, shall we? After Jason realizes that his dead roommate's spirit is in the communal bathroom, he decides to let him bend over the bathroom sink and ravage his corporeal being with his haunted hands. The former roommate can't touch each other in the traditional sense, though Alex feels very tingly and excited on Jason's skin. Alex knows this because another one of his ghost powers is being able to feel what Jason feels, which is handy, no pun intended, since Alex is the one doing all the mm, touching. The story ends with Alex writing in the fogged up mirror his only way to communicate with Jason and saying how happy he is that the truth is out there now. All of my problems with now that I'm a ghost, I'm gay can be summed up in this one line. How do you tell your best friend that you're dead, that you're gay, that you want him to be yours? Which one do you even start with? Oh 
Let's talk a little bit about queer history, queer power, and activism. Street transvestite action revolutionaries, or STAR, was organized by queer historical icons and self-described drag queens, Marsha P. Johnson and Silvio Rivera. Both of them had been at Stonewall and active in various self-led organizations while trying to organize homeless trans youth, drag queens, sex workers, immigrants, and low-income people in New York City. Rivera and Johnson were homeless themselves and saw STAR as a way to help and provide shelter for the people they knew as their children. They bought a building, fixed it up, provided shelter and clothes for people who came through. STAR grew from New York to Chicago, California, and even England, and lasted for approximately three years before it was shut down. Here's a little speech uh, from Silvia Rivera at the 1973 Gay Pride Rally in New York City after the audience begins by booing her. Y'all better quiet down. I've been trying to get up here all day for your gay brothers and your gay sisters in jail that write me every motherfucking week and ask for your help and you all don't do a goddamn thing for them. Have you ever been beaten up and raped in jail? Now think about it. They've been beaten up and raped after they haven't spent much of their money in jail to get their cell phones and try to get their sex change. The women have tried to fight for their sex changes or to become women of the women's liberation. And they write store, not the women's group. They do not write women. They do not write men. They write store because we're trying to do something for them. I have been to jail. I have been raped and beaten many times by men, heterosexual men that do not belong in the homosexual shelter. But do you do anything for them? No, you all tell me to go and hide my tail between my legs. I will not prolong or put up with this shit. I have been beaten. I have had my nose broken. I have been thrown in jail. I have lost my job. I have lost my apartment for gay liberation. And you all treat me this way? What the fuck's wrong with you all? Think about that. I do not believe in a revolution. But you all do. I believe in the gay power. I believe in us getting our rights or else I would not be out there fighting for our rights. That's all I wanted to say to your people. If you all want to know about the people that are in jail and do not forget Bambi Lamore and Dora Marks, Kenny Messner, and other gay people that are in jail, Come and see the people at Starhouse on 12th Street, on 640 East 12th Street, between B and C, apartment 14, 
the people that are trying to do something for all of us and not men and women that belong to a white middle class, white club. And that's what you all belong to. Revolution now! Give me a Give me a name! Give me a Y! Give me a P! Give me an O! Give me a W! Give me an A! Give me an R!
like here now Disney villains and why are there so many? Scar. The walk, the talk, the very dramatic Scar. His cinched waist ass was always second fiddle to Mufasa, his cisgendered straight brother who ruled the pride. Scar was left as an outcast and forced to hang out with illiterate hyenas. I'm not going to feel sorry for him. I've met that sort of sour gay who is dying to put their claws into whoever crosses their path, but I will say, a little therapy and acceptance could have prevented fratricide. It wouldn't have cured the heteronormative aspects of the pride, but that's a separate conversation.
If this episode is too queer for you, take a moment, reflect, and remember that nearly every single image, song, movie, and artwork that was taught to you was most likely from the point of view of a cisgendered, heterosexual, and most likely a white one. You can handle some queer-ass shit, bitch. segment is called Lesbian Murderers, or Why Does This Sound Like a Crime Committed at Barbie Mansion? Stacy Mitchell was a British-born girl living in Australia, who at the age of 16 ran away from her home and stayed with a 19-year-old Valerie Parashumti and a 21-year-old Jessica Stazanowski. And on December 18, 2006, Jessica and Valerie murdered her. She was bludgeoned with a concrete block and strangled with a chain. Her corpse was found in a wheelie bin shortly after. Jessica and Valerie had known Mitchell for three days and claimed they murdered her because they found her irritating. Valerie was accused by Jessica of flirting with Stacy. She planned to kill Stacy to prove to Jessica she was not attracted to her. The three of them spent the evening drinking whiskey before Valerie hit Stacy over the head with a concrete block. Jessica then strangled her with a dog chain and she lay dying. The two women kissed all over her body and filmed her on their mobile phone. Earlier attempts to kill Stacy by Jessica, including putting broken glass in her drink and spilling oil on the bathroom floor. 
The two women were tried at the Perth Supreme Court. During the trial, they smiled, giggled, and whispered to each other. Valerie's lawyer stated that she had a severe personality disorder and had grown up with an abusive father. She had also had an, an obsession with vampire subculture and a penchant for drinking people's blood since the age of 10. Valerie's father had previously been in prison for beating his wife. Both women pleaded guilty and revealed that after Stacy's death, they had visited a hardware store to look for a chainsaw and some spades. In 2008, both women were sentenced to strict security life imprisonment with a 24-year minimum sentence. Jessica subsequently appealed her sentence. Her appeal was unanimously rejected by the court. David Ross John Haynes, who also lived with them, was sentenced to two years imprisonment for being an accessory. Although he hadn't been fully aware of the plan to kill Mitchell, he agreed to go to his bedroom and listen to music. It was discovered in 2009 that the two women were continuing their relationship in prison, reportedly spending up to 90 minutes together on weekdays, seven days a, and seven hours a day on weekends. Valerie was subsequently moved to a separate prison. They attempted to maintain contact by sending letters, using fellow inmate Catherine Burney as a go-between. In 2012, three officers were injured following their intervention in a fight involving Valerie and another inmate. In 2013, Valerie attempted to escape from prison but failed to leave the grounds. It was reported she would subsequently face a police charge. Thank you. 
celebrating being queer or celebrating your LGBTQ plus family and friends. If you aren't queer, you should probably be very nice to your queer friends and family and probably give them gifts or money or at least make them a goddamn loaf of zucchini bread with chocolate chips. I'll leave you with this parting thought. Even with the pits, life is still peachy. One day and the next day gone Sometimes you bend, sometimes you stand Sometimes you turn your back to the wind There's a world outside the darkened door Where blues won't haunt you anymore With a brave eye free love is sore Come ride with me to the distant shore We won't hesitate Break down the garden gate There's not much time for today Just there. 